Bouncing Back, a podcast about conversations that transform lives. I'm Grace, your host. Here on this podcast, we are excited to share with you some amazing stories of resilience. We celebrate the triumphs of people who have overcome life-changing adversity as a result of an accident or a diagnosis. Listening to their stories will inspire you. We hope that you will learn from their experience and go bouncing back to be your best. Sharing their story today, we have Diane, a 30-year-old from Melbourne. Diane lives with her husband and daughter and is a full-time mother. On August 31st, 2014, Diane was involved in a car accident and within a blink, her life changed. Diane, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being a part of the podcast. Nice. Diane, can you please tell us a bit about yourself? Yeah, I'm uh, 30 years old and I'm from New Zealand originally um, and I've, I've lived in Australia for since 2009 um, and yeah I live with my husband and my 17 month old daughter. And I understand you were involved in a car accident would you be able to tell us a bit about this? Yeah, um, in 2014, I was involved in a car accident where a driver T-boned my car, um, running a stop sign. Diane, was there anyone else in the car with you? I had a passenger and he, he sustained three broken ribs. Um, he, he came off lightly, um, considering what I got through, um, my little Mitsubishi Mirage stood no chance against a big SUV running to me, to my driver's door. Um, I sustained a broken neck, shattered pelvis, brain bleeds, causing a brain injury. I was paralysed on my right side. I am now blind in my left eye and deaf in my left, right ear. Um, and I was in PTA for three or four months, which is post-traumatic amnesia. So a lot of what I'm about to tell you, I don't actually remember. It's what I've been told. Wow, Diane, that is a lot of injuries. Were you then taken in an ambulance to the hospital? Yeah, I was taken to Alfred where I spent six weeks um, and then transferred to Caulfield Rehabilitation, ABI clinic, um, where I spent four months. What was your rehab and recovery process like when you were in hospital? Um, It was very hard. Um, I was told I'd probably never walk again. and I just said to the doctors, I don't care how long it takes. I don't accept that. I don't care how long it takes. I'm going to walk out the hospital. And four months later, I did. But, of course, it wasn't that easy. <laughs> I um, 
was on my underwent intense physiotherapy and occupational therapy. Um, and yeah, so I learned to walk again. Wow, that is incredible, Diane. After four months, you were already up walking again. Wow. I think that is really going to inspire a lot of people listening. Was there any other things other than walking that you had to teach your body to do again? Oh, I had to learn to be left-handed because I'm right-handed and my right side was paralysed. So um, I now antidextrix, if that's the right word. Um, I mostly use my left hand now, but I still write right with my right hand. But, um, yeah, I had to learn to be left-handed. <laughs> On top of not being able to do much else, I had to learn to do everything, really. <laughs> wow. That would have been really hard, having to train your whole body to make your non-dominant hand your dominant hand. That is definitely not an easy thing to do. So we were talking about PTA before, and for those who, I guess, who don't know much about post-traumatic amnesia, it's a um, stage of recovery after a traumatic brain injury when the person comes out of their loss of consciousness or out of their coma. And during this time, a person may be slightly or fully conscious but confused and disorientated, and they can also sometimes have memory loss. So, Diane, how did the PTA affect you? Did you have any difficulties with your thinking? See, I'm not sure. Even to this day, I don't know if a lot of what I remember is real um, because my thinking was very warped. Um, so I'm not sure, um, like, I remember when I was an impatient and my, I would ring my family every couple of days and tell them they had moved me to a different room, um, which of course they hadn't, but I was, it was hard for me to retain my reality, really. But um, my my dad had put photos on my wall, um, so he would always ask me, do you still have photos on your wall? And then I'd look, and I'm like, yes. And he said, okay, you haven't moved rooms then, because they're still there. So it was kind of good to have that sort of um, visual, visual point. Um, whereas I don't think that's why my family did that, but they wanted me to feel more at home, but I it just turned out to be a good... A good strategy for you? Yeah. So, Diane, you had your family who were really supportive during your rehab. Was there anyone else who was really supportive of you during your rehab as an inpatient in the hospital? Uh, yes. Um, I had a psychologist, Kelly, and she was so helpful for me to talk to. But I also had a social worker, Jacinta, but they were both really helpful as an inpatient and an outpatient. Wow, that's really great that you had such a supportive team around you for your rehab while you were in hospital. What was your rehab like as an outpatient once you were discharged from the hospital? It was... It was tough, to say the least. Um, 
I worked so hard to get out of hospital and I didn't understand when I got out of hospital why I craved the hospital environment again. But, um, and that's where Kelly, my psychologist, comes in. She really helped me in those first few weeks of being at home. Um, but, um, yeah, at first I had my physio, who I actually was a new physio because as an outpatient, I had a new um, therapy team, um, which was a little bit hard for me because um, having a brain injury, I'm not good with change. But um, I soon became really close with Christy, my new physio. She helped me so much. Um, and then eventually when I was going to the hospital for my sessions, um, I, she helped, all my OT helped me um, work out how to get to the hospital via public transport. Um, so I could do that quite comfortably on my own. And that sounds like you had such a supportive rehab team as an outpatient as well, which definitely would have made a big difference and would have helped you adjust after you left the hospital. I understand work was a huge part of your life before your accident. What was it like returning to work after your accident? Yes, um, my life was work. I loved, I worked so, I worked so hard because I was trying to work my way up um, and Ironically, the Monday after my accident, I was meant to be promoted to manager, which is a role I'd worked so hard for, um, but obviously my accident happened. But my housekeeping manager, Leanne, and my general manager, Michelle, um, were so supportive. Um, so I went back to... Well, I attempted to go back to housekeeping, um, but that turned out to be really physic too physical, and I couldn't do it. But um, so Michelle then created a new job for me in a, an administration role. Um, so I started training to be reservations at the hotel um but I turned I didn't really want to do that um but I still tried um but yeah it didn't work out it would have been difficult going back to work after such a big accident and rehab experience but it sounds like your work was very supportive and accommodating for your return I think a lot of people after their rehab are worried about returning to work, but hopefully listening to your experience can help inspire some others to return. Diane, would you be able to tell us about your one-year anniversary of your accident? Uh, yeah, I actually had a party. I uh, don't know if that's a, a strange thing to do, but I... Um, had a party to celebrate that I'd been a had been a year since the accident and how far I'd actually come. And yeah, and then my 
I had a friend who um, was visiting me while I was an inpatient at rehab. And then um, he visited me at home as well because he lived in Darwin. But he um, flew down for my one year anniversary and now we are married. Wow, that's beautiful, Diane. When did you guys start dating? Well, unofficially six months after my accident, but officially uh, we made our relationship official on the on that weekend of my anniversary party. So now that weekend is now a memory of me making my relationship official with the love of my life rather than a thing that nearly ended my life. That's so beautiful that you've been able to turn that date around and make it a happy anniversary. Did you move up to Darwin to be with Rob or did he move to Melbourne to be with you? Uh, yes, so we, um, the six months before we made our relationship official, we were, one of us were coming to see the other one. But um, a couple of months after my anniversary party, I moved up to Darwin to be with him. But if, actually, it depends who you ask. I actually moved up there for the heat because it, I didn't know myself up there because my, my, my muscles didn't hurt and everything. Um, but really, I, I moved up there to be with Rob. <laughs> did you continue your rehab up in Darwin? I did. They transferred me to a new rehab team. Um, and then that Darwin is the very limited resources, so there's not a lot available up in Darwin. So every everyone has a huge caseload. So my rehab team was so busy that things were being forgotten or missed. Um, so I didn't enjoy rehab up there, to be honest. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that you didn't enjoy your rehab experience in Darwin. Um, while you were living up in Darwin, did you fly down to Melbourne to attend any rehab or medical appointments still? Not rehab. I had to fly because there is not a lot of medical in Darwin either. So I had to fly back to Melbourne for a lot of medical appointments to see doctors and things, um, which is not a short flight. It's a four-and-a-half-hour flight. So it just got a bit too much for me. Um, so after two years, I told Rob I had to move back to Melbourne. Um, so um, we both moved back down with my dog. Yeah, it's not a small flight at all. It's probably quicker for you to even fly to New Zealand from Melbourne than to Darwin. That's lovely to hear that Rob was so supportive of you and moved back down to Melbourne with you. I understand that you had many surgeries after your accident. Would you be able to tell me about your most recent surgery? Uh, yes, I am. Um, actually, the reason we moved back to Melbourne is because I needed to have another surgery that had to 
shaved down bolts in my head that was causing me a lot of pain. Um, and because once the bone had fused in my neck, I was able to um, get those bolts removed. Um, so I was able to lie on my back without having a lot of pain. Um, so yeah, that's why we moved back to Melbourne because I didn't want to have to keep going to Melbourne <laughs> for, um, checkup appointments. Did you first have the bolts put in after your car accident? Yes, I had, um... After my car accident, I had a halo device, um, which kept my head on my shoulders. (laughs) But I, um, but then the that was the reason for the bolts in my neck was um, because I my neck, my head was fused. I mean, my neck was fused with my my body. Um, so I had to have bolts in the back of my head, which kept that rod in place, um, helping the bones fuse in my neck. Wow, that sounds like a big surgery to recover from while you're also undergoing rehab. What was your relationship like with Rob when you moved back to Melbourne? Um, it was great. Um, well, Rob actually had proposed to me in Darwin, when we lived in Darwin. Um, so when we moved back, we, well, I was planning our wedding, um, with Rob's help, obviously, input, but, um, I planned our whole wedding, um, and we got married in May of 20, of 2019. And how was your wedding? Oh, our wedding was perfect. It was everyone says my wedding was perfect, but I don't have a but. My wedding was perfect. <laughs> wow, Diane, that really is a true fairy tale. Yeah, our our story is fairy. I, I love our story. <laughs> and are you currently being supported by a rehab team? I am. Um, about a week after I moved back to Melbourne, I was staying in a service department waiting for Rob and Olive to drive down from Darwin. Um, and my new OT, Megan, and she was going to be my physio, but isn't my physio, um, Mel, as she came and did our initial session I think it would be called um and yeah so I'm still with IRS um and yeah they are amazing (laughs) there are such an incredible team of therapists at IRS they really are such an amazing team um how have your goals changed since being with IRS and doing your rehab back in Melbourne um, they've actually changed a lot because now I have a beautiful 16-month-old or 17-month-old daughter. Um, so when I was pregnant, I worked a lot with Megan, my OT, um, to prepare my body and prepare myself for motherhood, really. 
Um, so we carried around, uh, I have a Teletubby from when I was a baby, uh, or a, a child, um, so we, we strapped weights onto this Teletubby that I carried around and I practiced changing her nappy and everything. Um, her, her support was really invaluable. That's such an interesting and unique therapy experience. What was the birth of your daughter like and how has she changed your life? She is amazing. <laughs> but now she is walking and running and climbing. I'm working with my physio a lot now too because I obviously need to get my um, mobility up. <laughs> so I need to learn to run again. <laughs> So I am working with my physio, Nadia, very closely on that. I actually have a session with her next week. But I should mention as well, I, Megan, I went surfing with Megan. <laughs> we did, um, dis- I think it was surfing for disability or disability surfing or something. Um, so we did that a couple of years ago and that was amazing because before my accident, I bought a surfboard for myself because that was, that was a big thing. I wanted to learn to surf and that surfboard ironically turned up after my accident. So I, it sort of was sitting in my room for months and months and then Megan bought this opportunity to me and I'm like oh my god I've wanted to surf my like for years so we did it and it was so much fun that's amazing that you've been able to engage in an activity that you've always wanted to do from the doctors telling you you would never be able to walk again to you proving them wrong and now even surfing that really is truly incredible how has this experience changed you Well, I have a new motto now. Positivity and determination will get you everywhere. Um, So basically, if you are determined enough and you believe it will happen, it will happen eventually. It may not happen in the way that you think, but it will, will happen. That's a great motto to live by, Diane. That is really motivating, and I think that's also going to inspire a lot of people listening. What have you learnt most from this experience? Um, don't give up. Um, don't give up. Um, if you... Things may be really tired, um, but, yeah, don't give up. It will get... It gets better. Um, but always talk, um, whether it be a family or friend or even your... Um, rehab team um always talk about what you're feeling because it's never helpful to keep it inside i think it's really important both physically and mentally for you to talk to others so that you aren't feeling alone and you can get the help that you need why did you want to share your story diane I was just, I'm just hoping that um, my story can help inspire um, somebody who may be going through a bit of a tough time and know that it's not the end. And what would you tell others who are going through their own recovery? 
Yeah, don't give up. Thank you so much, Diane, for being a part of our podcast. You have such an incredible story and I think it's really going to empower a lot of others who are going through their own recovery or adversities in life. Um, So thank you so much. No worries. Along with Diane, we hope you listeners feel empowered to keep going yourself or support another in the community. No matter how bad the situation is or how hopeless the prognosis is, there is always a space to grow out of it, a reason to fight on, find that strength to keep going and never give up. I'm Grace. This is Bouncing Back and thank you for listening. Mm -hmm.